Well, good morning, everyone. For the sake of the recording, it is Monday, the 27th of September. It's a beautiful fall day. I'm so excited that fall has fallen. And I'm glad to be back in uh, the, the land of the free and the home of the brave. So it was an exciting 10 days in China, and I'll probably share a little bit about that. But we have got... Um, several things to do today, and I want to start by introducing you to uh, the concept of a back channel, because that's going to give us an opportunity to ask some questions and have some responses to things that we wouldn't necessarily have everybody share in class, because maybe you don't want to share it in front of everybody, or maybe there's not enough time to do that. So on our page for our class, You uh, hopefully saw that we do have an attendance link for this time, and you'll want to go ahead and make sure you submit (coughs) your name there and go ahead and take care of that. But then at the top next to the date where it says digital storytelling, there are two links, one that says back channel one and one that says back channel two. Uh, Does anybody know what what are the directions of where we are right now as far as north and south? Does anybody know? I'm, I'm like not completely oriented. North, north, north would be this way. Okay, so this would be the east side of the room. This would be the west side. So if you're on the east side of the room, why don't you use back channel one? And if you are on the west side of the room, you can use back channel two. And what a back channel is, is basically a chat environment that allows for students and anybody who would like to, to go ahead and put uh, information in and share things. And this is a free tool that is called Etherpad. It actually got purchased by Google, I don't know, sometime in the last year. They were going to put it into Google Wave, which is now being retired in December. But there are different companies that will provide a free Etherpad installation. And so what you can do on the right side is you can put your name in where it says enter your name. And you don't have to log in or anything like that. If you would like to put something like Liz has said hello here on the side, over on the right side. Now, I'm I'm on back channel two, so if you're on one, you're not seeing this um, in yours. There's a place to basically have kind of sideline conversations over here on the side. And then here in the middle of the document, we can sort of build a document together. So we can, I can ask questions and you can respond and we will see everybody's responses that are coming in live. Um, the, the, the one disadvantage in a class of 24 like we have is that you can only have 15 people in an etherpad at one time. So that's why I created two etherpads, one for each side of the room. Um, but uh, a back channel is something that Teachers are using in classrooms where every student has access to a computer, either because they have laptops or because they're in a computer lab. It's also something that I'm seeing used a lot more at conferences when we want to share things, like we want to share links to uh, different resources and different things like that. Um, So I will uh, pose um, our first question here. And... Um, I will ask what was one of your takeaways and what do you think I mean by takeaways okay knowledge what else 
a learning point? I mean, something that you picked out. Okay, it could be uh, a concept, a topic. So what was one of your takeaways from Dr. Knezik's um, presentation last Monday? Now, if you're over on the east side of the room, you're not seeing that question. So what I will go ahead and do is I'll also link to that back channel for number one. Now, the thing about this is um, it's interesting. Some Somebody, I guess, actually deleted at the top where we had the... Um, <laughs> the uh, welcome at the top it'll say or it, there's a thing here called a time slider and all everything that goes goes in here is actually recorded so I can go back to that original version and I'll just highlight Highlight this and put it in again. Ah, and look, somebody was going to go ahead and type it in for us. I'll put it in. Okay. So you can just go ahead and, and uh, type anything that small or big that you might have taken away from his presentation that he gave on Monday. Mm-hmm. Did he give you some specific questions to mm-hmm. talk to discuss? Because hopefully one of the things we'll talk about today are, are blog posts. And hopefully you have been keeping up with blog posts. And you should have a, blog, a post on your blog at this point that responded to one of the questions that he, that he gave you. This Etherpad site is one of the best sites that I've ever seen that allows for us to be able to see everybody's typing immediately. There was a program probably five years ago that I used a little bit that was called Subetha Edit, and it was a Mac-only program. And you actually had to download the program, run it on your computer, and then you could do the same kind of thing with other people who had a Mac and were running that particular program. But Etherpad is really neat in the fact that it gives everybody their own color. You just go to the web page and it you know, shows up. Of course, you might think that it could be a little disruptive since we don't know for sure who you are. You could have said your name was George and you could you know, put whatever you wanted in there. We wouldn't know who it came from. So unlike some environments that we'll be talking about and using this semester, this one doesn't provide really good accountability or security to know, you know, exactly who, who, who is it. it are, are people who they say they are? Um, yes? Okay. If, did you try to click up here again on the, on the name no, spot? I think I said, yeah, okay. Try, just try one more time. Yeah, yeah. Just go ahead and put your name in, and it, it'll 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 add your color and all that stuff. Even if you don't do that, like right away, and you type stuff. So, looks like our group on the west is a lot more chatty here on the side. Oh, some of you, I guess, have put your comment here on the side. So rather than put it here in the corner, 
you can go ahead and put it here under the main document spot. This part over here on the right, I think of as kind of more the, oh man, I'm hungry. Uh, where are you going for lunch? You know, stuff like that. Um, that's just kind of uh, maybe off-topic chat. It gives you a place to have that. You could copy. So like Shinor put hers over here. You can go ahead and highlight that, copy and paste it, and then put it over here. So, and if you want to put your name first, that's fine. You can, or you can um, you can just put your comment in here. Now, did he did did he show you all inspiration? Did you use inspiration a little bit? Had any of you used inspiration before? A couple of people are nodding, but a lot of people are shaking their heads. So that program is one of my favorite programs. And if I was to say everybody should, you know, there's a program that every classroom should have. Bless you. That is probably an example of, of one of those kinds of programs because whatever you're talking about, concept mapping and helping to organize thoughts that way and having the visual or the yeah the um, icon-based and then the Roman numeral-based way of, of viewing the information I think is very good, very positive. Um, so for you to know, the website that I used to create these two back channels today is called Etherpad. It's called iEtherpad. So the program itself is Etherpad. And it is open source. You may go to a school district that runs this themselves in, for, at their school. Um, when I, where I was in China, in Shanghai, at the Concordia School, it was a very wealthy international school. I think the tuition is about 20000 a year. This is a K-12 school. Um, so it was not your typical school. Um, most of our schools in Oklahoma are probably not going to be running their running their own version of this. So what I did was I went to a website that is providing Etherpad spaces for free, no cost. I didn't have to register or anything. The website Etherpad.org is basically an informational page that just tells you about Etherpad, what is it, and there is a link that says public sites, and well, hey, actually maybe we can, I don't know if this has audio or not. The website where multiple people by some people that are using color and by instantly displaying what the person types. People can also share comments or opinions and chat with them. Etherpad is open source and free. So have fun. Okay, so that's a little 25 second intro. What I wanted to point out was on this etherpad.org site, and I'll go ahead and add this link to our uh, course site so you can refer back to this. All of these addresses here are open places to use Etherpad. So that first one is the one that I use, iEtherpad.com. PiratePad, which kind of sounds like you're doing something illegal, but it's not, is another one that happens to be hosted in Sweden. Um, PiratePad.de is in Germany. Sometimes websites like that are going to be faster for their because they're localized. So if we were in Germany, that would be faster. But these are just places that have installed Etherpad and offer up a free place where you can use those use that space. Now, there's really not a way that I know of 
to go in here later and delete um, the whole Etherpad. It just kind of it's created and it just sort of lives there forever um, until somebody. Pardon me. Some, thank you. Somebody decides to delete it, but um, it has a lot of benefits in that. Just like we did today, nobody had to sign up for an account. I just gave you the link. We clicked on it, and there, you know, we got um, everybody to be able to share. So I'm really glad to hear that he talked about different learning styles. Did he show you discovery learning, like the discovery streaming? Is that what you meant by discovery learning? Or are we talking about discovery learning like as far as a learning style? Like a learning style. Okay. So um, allowing students to be able to have inquiry, be curious about things, being able to explore their world is uh, very important. And we're going to be talking about different ways that, that video uh, can be used as far as um, digital storytelling and how that can fit into discovery learning and inquiry learning. One thing that I'll mention, did, did he tell you about uh, the Inspiration Web program that Inspiration has? So there's a web-based version of Inspiration that is called Webspiration. And so unlike the software version that you used, Webspiration just uses the web. It uses the Internet. So... We really have had a big shift in the way that computer programs are deployed and shared and the ways that they're used in the last five or so years. And this idea of working on the web instead of working on my computer is, is a really powerful thing. Um, here's an example. of something that we brainstormed at a professional development session that I had. And I think, oh yeah, this was a brainstorm about, there's a 12-year-old named Grayson Chance who did a performance at his uh, local, I won't play that. Won't play that. Um, he did a little. He wrote his own remix to the Lady Gaga song "Paparazzi," and he performed it at his church's talent show, or at a talent show that was in Edmond, where I live. You can see this. This particular video has over 31 million views. This was posted back in. Probably April, yeah, end of April, April 28th. Has anybody heard of Grayson Chance before? He got on the Ellen show. Ellen had him on her show, and he performed there. And Ellen decided to create a new um, album, a new musical album, and uh, invited him to cut the first label, or the first, uh, you know, the first album for her for label. So he, at age 12, is now out of school, being privately schooled. We tried to get him to come to a creativity workshop that we did in Oklahoma City this year and learned that he now has the same agent as Madonna from New York City. And so, anyway, here this 12-year-old suddenly 
uh, sprung onto the world stage, I guess, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. We brainstormed uh, questions or ideas for what, what this raises, you know, this whole situation of a 12-year-old who performs at a talent show and, you know, suddenly because his, one of his parents, you know, recorded him with a flip camera and put that on uh, YouTube, suddenly it goes viral and, um, you know, he finds himself on the mainstream mainstream uh, media and, uh, you know, people are saying it'll be the next Justin Bieber. I don't really know if that's going to be the case or not. We use this environment to brainstorm these different issues. And so just like you could on the client or the, the software program version of Inspiration with Webspiration, we have a lot of those same kinds of features. And of course, I didn't bring a flash drive today with this file on it. I simply went to the web page, I logged in, and here is my document. And I um, have the ability to edit it and change it. And then I also have the ability to share it um, so that once this is shared to the web, I can actually share the link to this and anybody who would like to be able to see that can link to that to be able to to see it. So that's a real powerful way of using mind mapping software like Dr. Knezik talked about, but it kind of takes it to another level because now this is shared on the web right away and I can get a link and put that on my website, let my students see it, let my kids see it, and I just, I really think that uh, inspiration is is an awesome program for every single teacher to know about and to use with students because whatever kind of research that you're doing as you're brainstorming things, um, being able to get your ideas out, organizing them um, is, a, is a very good thing. Any questions or comments or thoughts about inspiration or webspiration? <coughs> Have any of you used a, a mind mapping program before in one of your classes as you've done any research or anything like that? Okay. Well, um, what I want to introduce today is to talk um, a little bit about, well, we need to talk about your uh, Pechacucha presentations. And so I had said the last time we were together, I thought it was Pachacacha. But I was told by people who speak Japanese that indeed it is Pechacucha. So I guess you can pronounce it either way. Um, we were going to start um, those today, but Kristen, uh, it's okay. We uh, was uh, not not ready for us to begin. So on our website that we have, we've got um, our spreadsheet of presentations. One of the things that, and so we'll start next. We'll start on Wednesday with Danielle, um, Natasanet, Kendall, and Liz. Or we'll start. One of the things that I'll offer up if you would like to, because this is normally a 20 by 20 presentation, right? So 20 by 20 means it was 20 seconds. It's going to be six, six minutes and 40 seconds long. In um, Shanghai... One of the things that, well, I was leading a cohort of teachers that were focused on visual literacy and digital storytelling. And there's another model besides the uh, Pecha Kucha model 
There's another model that's called the Inspire model, and it is basically half as, half as long. So it's still 20 slides, but it's by 10 seconds, and it is only 3 minutes and 20 seconds long. Now, we had some, at least, well, we had one of our groups that was going to do the Inspire model, but it was just too fast. They, they wanted more time, and they actually hadn't rehearsed. They had less time to go ahead and do it. What I'm saying is, if you would like, when you share your presentation, to do the shorter model, basically to have half the time instead of a full six minutes and 40 seconds, you're welcome to do that. What I'd recommend that you do is rehearse and practice and say, hmm, how much time do I really need? Remember that you don't have to just have one slide for an idea. So if you've got an idea and you know you want to talk about it more than 20 seconds or more than 10 seconds, have a couple pictures for that idea and that will give you more time. So the goal here is not to frustrate you and think that you've got to talk really fast and you've got to get it all in so quick. You know, the idea is to have a fixed amount of time, use visual images to communicate what you want to talk about, and basically experience this kind of a model because it's something you can use with your students. This is a very applicable kind of thing to say, hey, we're doing research about you know, Newton's laws, and you're going to do Newton's first law or whatever they're going to do, but I want you to do it inside this particular format. So one of the uh, presenters who was at our conference, actually my friend Darren, who's from uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba, said this, and I thought this was a good idea. Creativity requires constraints. And... I don't know. It's, it's, it's good to have unbounded things, but sometimes when I give you constraints or when your teacher or somebody gives you well, some requirements and says fit inside this, you know, you, be, you can be very creative inside those boundaries. If it's too restricted, you can't be creative. But um, this kind of a, a presentation model sort of reflects that a little bit. So it's, it gives us some constraints, but you can be creative inside of it. Absolutely, yeah. You can use whatever resources. What I would prefer for you to do, though, is rehearse so that you're not just reading it. Um, and you definitely, on your slides, you can have very limited text up. And, and sometimes people like that. You've got to think about what your audience is going to attend to. Um, so you'd, if you want to have some text at the bottom, that wouldn't be text that you're just going to read off of. And so definitely, yes, bring note cards or if you want to... Um, if you want to use, PowerPoint has a mode where you can have a notes view and, and the, on the screen it has the slide, but then on your presenter view it shows the notes. You can use that, that mode if you want to or you can simply just have them printed out. Yes, I definitely would be happy to show you how to do that and I'll be happy to help you with that. Like you can just bring your presentation with 20 slides and I'll, I'll get it um, I'll get it fixed for you so that it has it has all 20 of your slides. Let me see if I still have, I don't remember if this is the same flash drive that I had used before. Um, but it's basically a transition that you put in and you just um, tell it that you want it to... I don't think I've got it. Well, I'll open up this PowerPoint as an example. This This isn't a... This isn't my, uh, a Pechacusha, but that kind of stuff I'll be happy to help you with. The way that I do that is 
inside the view, I like to go to the slide sorter view, okay, so I can see all of my slides and um, select all the slides. Um, I usually do control A. And what you want to do is, is under your transitions, there's uh, a choice here that says to advance the slide and the default is on a mouse click, but you change that here and just make that the time that you want. So if you wanted to do the Inspire model, then you do, we're going to do 10 seconds a piece. Then you would just change that to be 10. And, oops. Now all your slides are going to advance after 10. Um, if you would want there to be a transition in between, you can put, you know, put a transition in here, but this spot here where it says advance the slide is where we will do uh, 10 or 20 seconds. So, and do not fear, especially those of you that are going first, you're the bold adventurers, nobody else has gone yet, so I'm going to help you guys, you're not going to, you know, not going to let you flounder up here uh, in terms of all of that kind of stuff. I'll help you get the mouse all set and get that, get that stuff squared away. And really the nice thing about having it set like this is you don't have to worry about it once it starts. You know, you start and, and then, you know, kind of start to roll. I would definitely encourage you to practice, you know, rehearse, rehearse in front of somebody else, you know, have them give you some feedback. Um, and uh, I will also, I may have it here, but there's a link on our page, and it may be here under tutorials. Um, this one down here at the bottom, this is on the Pecha Kucha assignment. So when you click assignments and you cl click Pecha Kucha, I'll put a, a link to a tutorial. This says make a PowerPoint with 20 slides fast, and it's a screencast. Um, I don't remember if that one shows how to do that transition thing, but I'll, I'll include a link on how to do that. Any other questions about the Pecha Kucha assignment? Yes? Yeah, it's really open in terms of the topic. Think about something that you're passionate about that you want to educate us about, right? Because you're going to educate everybody in the room about it. So if it's something that you're real interested in and you, you love, you know, that passion is going to rub off and we'll, we'll be some other people interested in it too. If, you, if you're unsure of your topic, um, you know, just, come, just ask me, hey, I have North Texas email now, by the way. Um, I'm even going to get paid in October. Wow, isn't that great? Uh, on our syllabus link, I've placed it. I will send every, actually everybody an email uh, after today. Uh, so you'll get an email at the, at the email you registered on the blog. But I have added my North Texas email, which is just wesley.fryer at unt.edu. And so if you've got other questions, I'll, you know, I'll, I can field them there too. But, um, you know, so email me if you've got a question too and you'll have time to ask. Really, it's like, we, would, we wouldn't want something that would be, you know, something uh, really ethnocentric and racist, right? Like if somebody was going to be, you know, you know why, uh, why, why it would be justified to, I don't know, that thing that happened with the Muslim burning of the Quran. Like, you know, why we should burn the Quran here at North Texas. I don't know. We could, we, you could explore something more objectively, but... I don't know. I mean, somebody did a presentation that was about, you know, sex ed in the schools, and they were kind of concerned about it. But that was, I mean, that, that was a good topic to explore. Um, so, 
just visit with me if you're unsure about your topic, but it's basically open to what something you want to teach us about. I want you to experience this model, the presentation model, and the whole thing about using CompFite as a website to get Creative Commons pictures and getting large resolution images so they don't pixelate and look bad, but we've got, you know, really powerful images, or at least, you know, full screen images that can speak to your topic. I, uh, I, you become more aware of this definitely as you as you work with it, but we um, had lots of different examples of presentations. They, they didn't do all of the things that Dominic Millen talked about, but you, know, you will probably see far more presentations that violate rules of PowerPoint than then follow them. And that's part of what I want to help encourage you to do is break the mold. You know, use big pictures and images. Use those images to engage. So, did you have a, a thought or a question? Yeah, if, I, if you had a concern about it, um, you can come talk to me. Absolutely, yeah. Come visit with me after class if you want to. And now that I have email, woohoo. I mean, I have my Gmail too, but I get too much email over there. So it's nice for me to compartmentalize my email over in one spot. And I do apologize it took a while, but... The wheels of bureaucracy sometimes take a bit to spin, so I'm glad that finally that's set up. Um, any other questions about that? You don't have to tell me in advance which one that you want to do. You know, it's just basically how much time do you want to talk. Your grade can be will be fine either way. It's not like, ooh, you're doing six minutes, so you know you're gonna. It's fine. You can you can do the Inspire model and get full credit on the assignment. Um, something that I will do. Um, by tomorrow, and I'll email all of, all of you out, is I don't have a rubric here on the website. And one of the things that I want to model and encourage is the use of rubrics as far as what's expected um, for the presentation. And um, this one isn't going to be too complicated. There'll be a couple questions about format um, that you're sticking to and then a, then a place for, uh, to talk about content as well. But we'll all have that rubric that we'll be able to fill out as we watch each other do our um, presentation and then everybody will get their own feedback from their classmates who have watched them do their presentation. Okay. Well, I kind of went a little bit out of order um, because normally I had said I wanted to start with a video and then an app share kind of before we jumped into things. So we'll just totally go out of order and I'll do one more thing before I even do the video. Um, one of the really good ideas that I took out of our conference in Shanghai that another professor uh, has done successfully in his class is to use blog buddies for students. And how many of you have received at least one comment on a post that you've done for our class? Okay, so that's about half maybe. One of the things that we're going to talk about in, in the video that, that hopefully you saw for today's class about blogging buddies is uh, talking about that kind of intentional pairing, um, whether that's, in, as that, in the case of that video, it was you know, college students that were paired up with students in an elementary school. But we're just going to um, at least partner up here in our class. So on our page for today, there's a link that says blog buddy. And if you open that page up, I've created another Google document that's just open for, for us to edit without logging in. It says, please use this Google spreadsheet. And what I'd like for you to do at some point this week, and you don't have to do this today, but some, at some point this week, I would like for you to click the link for this Google spreadsheet and sign up 
for a blog buddy. Now, if you know somebody already in this class and you're like, hey, will you, this is the person to comment on your blog and, and they're going to comment on yours. So basically, anytime you write something, I would like for, uh, or your blog buddy writes on something, I would like for you to leave at least one comment on their site. And we're going to talk about you know, what makes a good comment and the things that we're looking for is not just the, ooh, great idea. You know, very cute, you know, whatever. We're not looking for just really fluffy and, and um, you know, the kind of thing that anybody could, could, could write about any sort of post. But we'll be looking for specific feedback, questions, um, things like that. And if you don't know somebody, um, you can just put your name in there. And then next to blog buddy two name, you can put... Um, you know, buddy needed, and then we'll we'll eventually get everybody to to fill in. Um, does anybody know how to get the web address to their to their blog? Do you know how to do that? Um, it should be the one that's directly to yours. So our whole class is the. UNTCIC.21classes.com. But if you will select over in the side your name, for instance, there's Allison's first, so she gets picked on, and we click go, this is the actual address to Allison's blog here. And so we find that just by selecting the name here in the member list and then clicking go, that is, oops. That's the, that's the address of the specific blog. So on this page, you should put your name and then that address of your site there um, next to it. And then your blog buddy can do the same thing. If we need more, actually, I'll, I'll go ahead and add. Well, you shouldn't need it. I think we're good probably with 15 rows. What we're using here is a, is a Google spreadsheet, which I have changed so that anybody can edit it without needing to log in. Anybody with the link can edit this. So just like the Etherpad, this is, a, I think, a very handy kind of technology for being able to let people edit it together. Um, there's lots of ways that you could probably use this in your classroom, you know, even with parents. Um, if, if you're an elementary teacher, you're going to have room parents. You're going to have holiday parties. You're going to have sign-ups for things. You know, even just parent-teacher conferences, um, having people sign up, you can create the same kind of a spreadsheet where you've got blanks in and people can fill in their names and put stuff in. The disadvantage, just like with the Etherpad, is if it's open like this for anybody, then... You know, I could come in here and erase Kelsey's name or, or Danielle's name or whatever, and that I, there's uh, really not any documentation of, ooh, who, who erased me? You know, so everybody has the same access and it's anonymous, basically. That has a disadvantage, but, you know, it also has an advantage in that anybody can come in and edit it and, and do that pretty easily. Have any of you seen this kind of a spreadsheet being used as a, for a sign-up? I see a couple nods. My experience is most people do not know this is possible. This is not very common to 
have this kind of thing used and as a free tool, a free resource, it's it's pretty awesome to be able to to have this kind of collaborative tool that that we get to use. Now, saying that, in China, Google Documents is blocked. So is Twitter and Facebook. Things were more heavily blocked and restricted on this trip than they have been in my my previous trips. This was my fourth, my third trip to mainland China. I went to Hong Kong once um, last year too. But um, in our schools, many of our schools have a lot of things blocked as well. And, you know, if Google Docs is blocked at school, then... um, it would either be something that you would need to request to see if they would unblock that um, or you need to use a different site uh, to be able to, to do something like, like this. But Any questions about blog buddies? All right. And if you didn't get your blog buddy signed, you know, signed up for somebody now again, we're just going to kind of try to do that this week. And... Um, if you do not have a partner, then just you know feel free to sign up next to next to somebody else. And yes, yeah, I want you I want you to leave at least one comment on the posts that your blog buddy does. So it's a way of ensuring audience for everybody. I mean, I'm going to be commenting too, and I'm going to invite you all to comment on each other's as well. But at least you should have the eyeballs of your blog buddy when you post and have feedback. And as we go through the semester too, there will be times when I will probably point out a post and say, here, I'd like you to take a look at this and you know comment on it and stuff like that. And this is, I think, a good... As we have more students writing on blogs, more teachers... This idea of audience is a really important thing and finding an audience for our writers. Uh, those can be parents, of course, and grandparents and other family members. But this idea of partnering up and then talking about what, what a good comment is, right? It's a, it's a lot more helpful and constructive to get a comment that provides you with specific feedback or asks you questions or for more things than just, nice job, you know, that that's okay, but that doesn't really help you in the same way that a specific elaborative, elaborated comment does. Yeah, I like that idea of doing that and how they even have colors. Like, but you could even do it like kindergarten and fifth grade, even in the same school. Absolutely. Well, and you know, it also points out the fact that we are all teachers, okay? Sometimes we have the formal role. Like in this class, I have the formal title of teacher. All of you are going to teach me things this semester, okay? The the Pecha Kucha assignment is just one one example of when that will happen intentionally with kind of a formal presentation. But a lot of times we learn more from our peers than we do from each other. You know, and that kindergartner may listen more to that fifth grader than they did, you know, to their teacher or whatever. So when I first became a classroom teacher in 1996, I wrote a little mini grant of for $2,000 or maybe it was $3,000 to um, TCEA. TCEA is um, the the Texas Computer Education Association, and they give away grants. And then this. Texas, as well as Florida, have the largest state technology conferences in the entire country. Ohio is pretty big, too, but Florida and Texas are really big, and then there's the National 
technology conference. The main conference happens in February. Anyway, they have little grants, and I wrote a grant and got $3,000 for a computer, extra computer for my classroom and a phone. Now, this was in 1996. We didn't have cell phones, and we didn't have any phones in anybody's classroom. So we had a modem that hooked up to the computer, and I had a phone in my class. I was the only teacher at my whole school who had a phone. So that was an interesting dynamic. It was, out, it was really cool. You know, people, oh, you didn't have your phone, math homework here? Let's call mom. Um, but the grant was to let middle school students at another school in town comment on my students' writing. Huh. That was really hard to do in 1996. Okay, because we would scan stuff on a scanner and then you would send it over and then they would write some comments back and it was really slow and it was really yeah, hard I to do. Sure, sure. Yeah, there's all kinds of ways that this can this can happen and this is easier to do than ever before. There's still coordination issues that are involved, but there's a lot of power in the idea of Having, number one, kids write a lot. Okay? How am I going to get better? i got to do it. You know, if I'm going to read, if I'm going to write, if I'm going to do public speaking, I've got to do it to get better at it. And then if I have an audience that's interested in what I'm writing, and then I become aware of that audience, that can have a big impact on motivation and, and increasing student engagement um, as well. So that Blogging Buddies project is one of my, my favorites from the K-12 conference because I think it's such a doable thing that we could get. They all had computers. True, true. And you will find, you know, most schools today, you know, there's at least one computer in the classroom and there's a computer lab in the school, right? And with computers becoming more common, does everyone have a computer at home? No. Everybody have high-speed Internet? No. But it's becoming more common and writing like that is a good thing that people can rotate to do. So, you know, it might be something that we write at our t- table or write at our desk, and then we go put it, you know, onto the blog or, you know, onto the site. I think it's headed that way, though, my daughter said that they've got all iPads that they're getting to use this year. So... Wow. Each student's going to have one, so I think it's, it's going to get done. Well, I just did a presentation Friday uh, at a community college in Oklahoma City at Rose State and did a little research, and one of the things that I, I, I found is supposedly Apple has sold somewhere between 10 and 12 million iPads, and there's Wall Street analysts predicting over 20 million to be sold in the next year. They said that over half of the Fortune 100 companies are either buying iPads now for employees or researching it. I have a friend who works at a heart hospital in Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, and they use their iPad to like control all the room stuff, like they control lighting, heating, you know, I mean, talk about the Jetsons and the future. Um, It's really something that's probably going to move faster than we had anticipated, and there are 20 or so different tablets that run Android that are now, you know, on the market and coming to the market. So that whole idea of having access is definitely going to be changing as, you know, Cell phones have more internet capability and then devices that we have out in the hands of students do. So, all right. Well, I want to show you a video. Um, I'll kind of give you some context for this. Back about three weeks ago on September 10th, I talked to 900 kids in Alva, Oklahoma. I didn't do it all at once. There were five different sessions. But they have 
um, actually five different schools. They've got their high school. They have a middle school of 7-8. They've got a 5-6 campus, a 3-4 campus, and then a, a K-1 and 2 campus. Does that I get everybody? Um, anyway, they've got five different campuses. And so this, uh, I gave a presentation that was about Internet safety and digital citizenship. In our class this semester, hopefully you're going to see lots of very practical examples of how technology can be used with students to help you know, connect with parents, to help kids write more, um, help them connect with an audience, just like we are doing right now with Etherpad. Um, how, can, how can we, if we're in a computer lab or we've all got a computer, you know, how do we make a document together? Um, hopefully you're going to see a lot of those kinds of examples. But we're also going to need to talk about the safety side of this. And internet safety should be more than just a one-time assembly that we do and, you know, somebody comes from out of town like I did here in, Al- in Alba, which is like almost to Kansas. It's, it's, it's in the northwest part of Oklahoma. It's not in, um, it's not in the panhandle, but it's, it's pretty far up there. So one of the videos that I came across as I was preparing for that is this video from the Ad Council that's called Out of Your Hands. So I'm going to pause this um, as this loads up. Again, just like we've talked about with other videos, it's always good to put, put, press play on the video first and let it load up and buffer, and then you can go ahead and play it. The Internet is really fast here at college, all right? It's awesome. When you go to your school, wherever that happens to be, it won't always be the case. So one of the things I'm going to teach you this semester, and I did a session about this in Shanghai, is how to download these videos, right? How to get it on your flash drive. So you don't have to sit there and wait for the Internet. You can actually just play it. But um, the whole, has anybody heard of a, of a sexting situation at your school or you ran into that where somebody sent a picture and suddenly you know, they thought they were just sending it to their boyfriend and it went to the whole school? Has anybody heard of that happening? That's not an uncommon thing, um, and it's an important part of Internet safety to talk about. So this is just a 60, well, well, a little over a minute, 60-second um, video to talk about this kind of situation. So there is a ton of fear all around the whole idea of using technology um, in the town where we live now, where you know we live in Edmond, which is north of Oklahoma City. It's a, a affluent community. There's no blogging. There's no use of wikis. There's no Google Docs. There is none of that. And a lot of that evidently comes from fear 
that, oh my gosh, there's going to be horrible things that are going to happen, you know, if kids do something online. Well, kids are doing all kinds of things online now. Uh, the school is not the place that they're learning to, to do them. But um, let me, uh, let me I'll, I'll po- pose a question to you all in the Etherpad. Um, what's a follow-up question that you might ask your students and this is, if you're going to teach elementary, I mean, I did not talk about sexting at the elementary schools in Alba. This was something I did at the middle school and I did at the high school. So let's just say that you're teaching middle school or high school. You're not teaching first graders, okay? Um, what is a question that you might ask students as a follow-up to that particular video? Um, and you can put that down at the bottom of our Etherpad. And as you're typing that, is anybody willing to um, share a, a follow-up question or a response out loud? Well, I, I actually said, um, I would actually ask the project how many strategies have like companies that openly send images through Facebook or any other sharing sites. Because then you'll get a good idea that you know, a lot of people do it. And then you can ask how many of you don't think twice about what you send or the results of it. A big thing that people are just not aware of today is how public this is. Okay, they're still thinking it's like passing a note, like just sharing something because it's my friends and I got a private profile and I'm just, you know, I'm sharing it with my friends. I'm in the midst of reading a dissertation right now by uh, what's her last name, her first name, uh, Dana Boyd, and her her she did a three year study about Facebook and MySpace and social networking, and that was one of the big conclusions is that most kids go online just to extend their face-to-face friendships and their relationships that they have. It's not thinking about, oh, I'm going to publish for the world and you know get this global audience or anything like that. Um, I was amazed in Alva how many of the kids had cell phones, even third graders with cell phones. You know, um, What's the youngest person that you know of with a cell phone? Seven. A seven-year-old? Anybody else? Well, there's a reason behind why he has it. Like, there's a lot of, um, actually, it's actually a, an emergency phone. Mm-hmm. Because what happened was that he goes, he's in, third, he's in second grade right now, and what happened was he rides the bus, and the bus driver went crazy, and he went off the track, and he just didn't, the kids wouldn't be quiet. He literally drove the bus into the middle of the parking lot, and he just like, stood there, and he's like, we're not leaving. You have no right to do that. And because of that phone, his parents are, he's the only one that has a phone, and he's the one, he's the reason his parents found out what was going on. Wow. There are definitely cases where kids have used recorders to document things that should not be happening. Um, do any of you have on your cell phone the ability to record audio as well as video? I mean, personally, I, I think you all have a harder time in college and just in life because, hey, anybody could document anything that's happening at any time, right? Anywhere you happen to be. When I was in school, that was not the case. But it is, for better or for worse. In some cases, like this, where an adult is acting inappropriately, that can be a very positive thing. You know, the adult in the situation may not like it, but uh, there was a, a deal on Good Morning America or one of the morning programs I saw about a year ago where a kid in kindergarten, he had, come, he had been complaining about what was happening in his kindergarten class, and so his parents put an audio recorder in his backpack. And so he just had that at school, 
and the recording of the way that the teacher was talking to him was totally inappropriate and so you know they had that kind of documentation um, so there's there's good and bad sides to this but uh, it, I think it's important to have the conversation about uh, internet safety and also to talk about this in a in a context that's more than just you know don't don't do this it's also about the what we should do um, this is the YouTube channel for the ad council or the advertising council which is where I've, I've linked and found that particular video um, definitely there's a lot of other other videos that are good that explore explore that topic as well um, I also like to talk about this as digital citizenship it's not just about safety but it's about responsibility that picture talks about what are you going to forward so now I not only have a responsibility for myself, but other people too, right? Because if I choose to forward that picture on, you know, and it might not just be a photograph, it could also be information. Do any of you get email from parents and other people like, look out for the blah, 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 or forward this and you'll get, you know, a bunch of money? Or I mean, there's all these different ploys um, that go on. Do you know about Snopes.com? Are you familiar with Snopes? I use Snopes.com um, sometimes for urban legend stuff, which is like, if I forward this email, will Bill Gates send me, you know, ten thousand dollars if I'm one of the first people? So Snopes has a uh, search place, and um, usually you can put like the um, text of the subject line. Okay, and then just search for the subject. So here's one. A company called Send Money Now has charged $373.56 to your debit card. It is false. Here's the example. Here's the origins of it. You know, that was from 2008. Have you seen like the ones about the uh, money in Nigeria? Yeah. Yeah, so I, hello, I'm contacting you because I have a bank in Nigeria and I need you to. So, you know, there's some, okay, here's one. Um, and these aren't all about you know scams about getting your money. This is other things that people will just claim uh, rumors. Okay, urban legends. So Snopes is one of the best sites that I know of for basically do, you know is this true or not? I'm not sure. Let me go here and check it out. And I don't get as as many of those as it seems like I did at one time. But you know sometimes I would just forward them the link. Hey, check this out. This is not accurate. Um, we've got a lot of misinformation, you know, that's out there as well. So it's good to it's good to know about places like Snopes. What I would like to do in our last 20 minutes is talk a little bit about digital storytelling and introduce you to part one of our VoiceThread assignment and and talk to you a little bit as far as uh, reading. Um, Probably the best thing for me to do is just show you an example of this first, and then we'll talk a little bit about um, talk about what we're going to do for our for our assignment. How many of you have heard of VoiceThread before? Has anybody used VoiceThread or heard of it before? <coughs> there are different ways that we can use media with pictures and, and, and images along with audio and in some cases video. And VoiceThread is one of my favorite sites to share. And for your assignment for today, I would like for you to take a look at a chapter in a free ebook that is about VoiceThread 
create an account and look at at least one of the um, one of the voice threads that's on this site. This is a project site that I created a few years ago called Great Book Stories, and you can kind of think about this as an example of a 21st century book report. Um, voice thread will uh, let me show you an example, and then we'll um, we'll talk about what it is. Um, let me see. I'm going to do one. I'm going to come down here to picture books. So this is one that my daughter did when she was four about a book that we bought in Hawaii. And this is about Harriet and Poliahu. And I like it so much because it's about fire and ice and it's in Hawaii. <laughs> And this is about um, Taylor and her hair gets hot in the fire and she makes the fire and she lives in the volcano. <laughs> and this is, this picture is about um, Puyahu and uh, she lives on top of the mountains in the ice, and uh, Toyahu is racing the stranger. <laughs> and this is a text comment. Somebody just said, I love your storytelling. things that you observe about the story that, that jump out at you? What do, what, do you, what do you see that went into this? 
Somebody be brave. Say something out loud. What were the pieces here? So we have still pictures. Okay, we have still pictures, and we selected those images. All right, so that was an element to it. What else? We have the voice recording, right? So voice thread involves putting pictures, recording your voice, um, and then if you want to, allowing other people to comment on it. Did you notice anything else about about it as we went through? The text at the bottom? Or the text comments. Yeah, there's different ways to leave comments. So um, as you, and, and this is something too that can be moderated so that you can approve these before they go on. People who come to the site won't necessarily have a microphone. This person didn't have one, but they were able to type text and leave a comment and you can also use video, so there's different ways that, that, you, can leave, that, that you can leave comments um, on the VoiceThread site. The other thing to point out is there's a way that you can put a title. There's a title here to the whole VoiceThread, but down here at the bottom, there's a link, and I can click on this, and it actually goes to the Flickr page where this image was taken. So that is a way of giving attribution to the creator of that photograph. And that is something that on the voice threads that we'll work on creating. And we're, today I just want to talk about creating an account and you know, looking at some of these examples um, and, have, and, and talk about how to embed them. So we're not going to make one today. We're going to talk more on Wednesday about how to make them and we'll spend some time in class creating them. But um, I think that is a much more helpful way to do your attribution because you get to click on it, right? If we had a video or something and it just like scrolls all the credits real fast, you know, how do I get to that site? Well, I'd have to stop the video, type it in myself. Like, you know, it's not just a clickable link. So this is a way that you can click and, um, you know, provide a link to more information, your own site, in this case, where the image came from. One of the, um, I wonder if I can just find it. I'm gonna I'm gonna log into. Well, let me show you another example. Um, I'll show a high school example. Well, no, I won't. I'll do this Helen Keller one. I'm gonna show you a couple examples that my own kids have done, but. <coughs> I don't want you to think that, oh, this is just something Wes's kids do. I mean, we really enjoy being able to use this. And the, of these, like, 70-something uh, voice threads that are all about different books, I mean, like, probably four of them are, are done by my kids. Um, a lot of um, people in different places have, have created these. Um, here's an example. I think this is when my daughter was in third grade. This was about Helen Keller. And this, is, this one is a lot more book report-ish. One of my favorite books was Who Was Helen Keller by Gary Thompson. Helen Keller um, grew, grew up to be deaf and blind. And this book is about us. Um, she wrote books and stories about being deaf and blind. All right, so this is a you know, comment somebody said, 
Here's an audio comment. This is Sarah's grandfather. Sarah, thanks for sharing this story about Philip Keller. It sure makes us appreciate that uh, we can, we have sight and we uh, can hear good as well, too. Then. Wow, that sounds like an awesome book. I um, think that was a great voice thread that you just did. And um, I'm a 10-year-old girl from... It says, when I was young, the story of Helen Keller was my favorite. I wanted to learn sign language after I read the book. You did a great job telling about the book. I'll just do one more of these. About Helen Keller since I was young. I have another book to recommend to you. If you enjoyed that, you might want to read a new book that just came out called Miss Spitfire, and it's actually the story of Annie Sullivan, her teacher. It's written by Sarah Miller. I hope you enjoy it. All right. So, one of the things that is so powerful about VoiceThread is it's on the web immediately, so I don't have to upload it to YouTube or upload it to another site. I make it on the Internet but this ability for people to leave feedback. As the teacher or the parent, I can moderate this and I can decide when to approve comments that go on here. Um, Here's an example. Would Sarah have known about the the book Miss Spitfire if Lori, I guess, or Lorraine, I'm not sure how to say her name, um, had not made that recommendation? I don't know. But how rare... I mean, think about your own school. How many times did your parents come to school to see what you were learning? How many times does that actually happen? One of the most important things we can do is get parents more involved in the education of what's going on at school and being supportive. And if we can share work that's being done um, in the classroom back with parents. Sarah's grandfather lives in Kansas. She was in... um, 
I think we were in Oklahoma when we did that. I don't think we were in Texas. But, you know, we were living in a different state. And there's no way that her granddad would have heard her book report. Um, she actually created this before she went to class and did her book report in front of her class. So how do you think her book report in front of her class went? Pretty good, because she practiced it a bunch. And when your kids hear themselves recording their own voice, number one, none of us tend to like hearing ourselves record because we're just not used to that. But you become aware of a lot of things that you, you do that might be an idiosyncrasy or you, you pause or you say, uh, or but, or something like that. And you want to do it again. Let me do that again. So Sarah had actually recorded each one of these several times to get it right. And that process of practicing is a very, uh, it's a very positive thing as far as learning because there was a lot more um, attention to task, time on task that she had. And if there's one thing we've got a lot of clear research on, it's time on task. If kids are spending more time on their assignment, guess what? <gasps> they learn more because they're working on it more. So what I'd like you to do right now is let's talk about making an account on VoiceThread. Um, if you uh, Google VoiceThread or you just go to VoiceThread.com, the thing you want to do when you sign up is you want to look for the educator account. Okay, Even though you don't have a job right now as an educator, you can still get an educator account, which will give you more uh, rights or more abilities to have more voice threads than just a regular account. If you just do a regular account, it will still work. But when I click register over here, um, it never said educator. Yeah, it is open to everybody. But I was thinking that there was a link. Maybe they've changed this where 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 it is. Um, if you want to go to, they've changed their site. So. You can do it either way. If you want to do it on the, the, the education site, which is ed, ed.voicethread.com, you can. Or if you just register on the regular one. Either one is going to be fine. Um, go ahead and create an account. And then um, you'll be able to log in and create a voice thread. And today, I don't want you to... I mean, on Wednesday, I'm going to go through steps and we'll spend some time uh, creating voice threads. And I'll, I'll show you how to do this. What I'd like for you to do before Wednesday is create your account so that everybody has an account. Yes. Uh huh. Ah, good. Okay, but see, VoiceThread Educator is free. Apply. All right, so. You can just get a, a, the regular free account. It's fine. But thank you for pointing out where that was. That used to be a link on the registration page. So it's under products. They give you a, a, a few more rights as a, um, if you register as an educator. For our purposes, you're going to be fine if you just register for, for the regular account. But if you go to K-12 and then put single educator, um, you get... I guess you get 50 voice threads. And what is, what is the regular one? I'm not really sure what the regular one was. Um, but you get, a, you get a few more. So if you want to apply on that account, and what I'll do is I'm going to drop this link into both of our Etherpads. So at the bottom of our Etherpad, I am putting that link right now. So if you want to copy that from Etherpad and um, register, 
I want you to just have an account before Wednesday so that you'll be able to um, you'll, you'll be able to be in the site and, and log in and all that kind of stuff. So once you have created your account, then it's gonna it's gonna give you these choices to browse VoiceThreads, create, to do these kind of things, and we will talk more about how to do that next time. What I would like for you to do um, as for your assignment for this week is there's a link that says VoiceThread Part 1 and I want you to create your account. Actually, let me change. I'll change this link. Um, I'll say use this link for the free educator account. But again, it's if you went ahead and registered for the regular one, it's fine. They can even upgrade you later if, if you want to um, to an educator account. I'd like you to create that account, view at least one of the stories that's on, on Great Book Stories, and then I want you to embed it, uh, embed one on your site. And I'm, this is the last thing I'm going to show you, and then we're going to be done. Um, on our blog, on our blog sites, um, and I think I just saw that Allison had done this on hers. You can see how Allison has embedded the link here for this video. And I can click right here and play it. I don't have to go off to a different site in order to view this. This is called embedded media. And what I would like for you to do for, for this week is... Um, write a short post about one of the voice threads that you look at on great book stories. There's like 70 choices here of different ones. And what you're going to do to embed it is, let's say under fiction historical, there's one um, about the outsiders that some 11th and 12th graders in Asher, Oklahoma did about this book. Voice thread can have, you can have a bunch of different slides. This one just has five. But on the very last slide, it will give you the code to link and to embed one of your voice threads. How many of you have embedded something before by a show of hands? Okay, so that's like probably a fourth of us. Embed code looks scary, right? If I say copy, there's all of this code that's like, I don't know what that means because it's, it's code. It's not English. But what you're going to do is you're going to copy that and you're going to put that into your post. So let me just show you real quickly how that is going to work on, on our website. So I'm going to go ahead and log in to our site, maybe. I can't remember my username. And once I'm logged in, I make a new entry to go ahead and post something. And I can type in, you know, I listened to the voice thread, The Outsiders. On the voice thread, 
I've got a link that I can share here and I also have the embed code and the link is something that I can put in by highlighting and then clicking on the link tool that looks like a chain and I put my link in and then that text will go to that voice thread. The embed code works the same except you have to put this code in as source code, as HTML. Oh, it does. Okay, which one was that? Awesome. Yay! Thank you so much for letting me know that. Okay. Very good. So I'll post these instructions on our site too. Good. I didn't realize that it would do that. And so it will be embedded right in there. Cool. All right. I'll, I'll hang out for questions if you have more. So see you Wednesday. Yes. Right. Did you use that uh, musical note? On, you did it both ways? Huh. Like it did appear? Like it did show up later, but not initially? But yours never did? Uh huh. Huh. Was it okay? Give it a try with VoiceThread and let's see if it works better because it may have been the site that we were trying to embed and we'll troubleshoot that on Wednesday and see if we can figure out what it was. So, yes. Um, did you feel like it's in the Moodle? Well, not today, but I had a hard time saying it. To get into the Moodle? Yeah. Okay. No. Um, in fact, and what's on the Moodle, I've got to clean up and fix because I only got in there okay, myself just, at the end of the I week. I was trying so. to report and I was having a hard time. Okay. Um, I'll get. Uh, I'll find out who our contact person is. I think his name is Vinny, but I'll find out what the procedure is for having, getting some assistance and getting okay. signed in. You did you just try to sign in with your UID or? Um, I can't remember. I think I tried to sign. I was trying to sign up for one. Or I didn't know how it works. I'll talk about it next week because okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna get it cleaned up and we'll talk about Moodle okay. next week. So. When did you want me to do your presentation? Do you want me to be ready on Wednesday? Um, let's just have you sign up for another. Um, do, you, do, you, do you want to do it? I don't this, care this when I week? do it. I just whenever I remember whenever I signed up, it was that was the only day available. Why don't you send me an email and let me know what date you want and use my North Texas email and okay. I'll uh, I'll plug you in for one of those right. and we'll do five on one of the okay. times. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Um. There for this NFT on the Google Docs. Yes. Um, we can't go back and edit it. And I was going to switch with a girl. Oh, okay. Had a All right, here. Let me sign in, and I'll let you change up how you want to do it. Because I, one of the things that's sometimes good on documents like that is when you leave it open for anybody to log in at any time. Um, it's usually good to go in there later and lock them so that they just don't stay open for. Them. Editing forever. Mm-hmm. Can I answer another question while this is coming up? I just have a question about the embed in videos because you talked about that most of the videos you were talking about were linked on the web. Mm-hmm. So what if you, like, I created one with my daughter on the green screen mm-hmm. at home. We just did it through, what is it, the Windows Live? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So how do you do those? You've got to upload it to a site you that do. gives you code, right? So you could upload to YouTube, and we'll talk about some other different. Okay. You know, there's school tube and sure teacher tube. I was the method I had to do to do it. Right. Okay. It is. Um, you've got. That's one of the things that's nice about VoiceThread is that it's already online, and you don't have to upload. Because when you make it with Windows, Windows Maker Live or something else. I just wanted to, sure. to post it on ours. I don't know what it. Right. So you can you can you can get a you can get a site on on YouTube, for instance, and you can even keep it private. So when you oh, post okay. it, it can be private, except if you have the link. So like only people that would go to your blog, they wouldn't just stumble upon it or whatever. That's an it's a publishing option on YouTube, okay. and it will give you the embed code so that you can. Um, you can embed it. Then. Okay, well then I'll do it that way. Okay. Because I didn't know how. Okay, thank you. You're welcome.